What dead people are, are people who have died. That's it. They're still people. They have retained their essence, their personality, their intelligence, their memories. And so just as you would talk to me in a room, you want to begin talking to your deceased loved one. And you need to believe in your heart because it's true that they are there with you because they are there with you and they are often there with you. Welcome to The Fall Estate. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. The Fall Estate is now on Locals.com. So click the link in the video description to support our work. And thank you all in advance. I have with me Christy, Crystal Ann Compton. She is a spiritual teacher and intuitive channel and founder of the Light Shine Lab, a community dedicated to heart activation and conscious expansion. That was a lot. (laughs) Crystal, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. So what is an intuitive? First, what is a spiritual teacher? Um. Somebody who teach, I just teach on spirituality and metaphysics. So I have groups that I meet with in person. I also teach programs online about all, all kinds of spiritual concepts. And um, the uh, an intuitive channel, is that about the same thing? Intuitive no. channel. Yeah, an intuitive channel. An intuitive channel is just someone who is intuitive, which I think is... Another word for that might be psychic, although I don't really like to use that word because of uh, the negative connotations that go along with that. But, And a channel is just someone who channels energy or, or in my case, channels like the Holy Spirit. Um, So I do all of that in the work that I do. And and why is the word um, psychic or Mm -hmm. is uh, negative now? I mean, it's more a personal idea. There's just a lot of charlatanism. There's a lot of fraudery. Um, I, I am somebody who likes to have a lot of integrity in what it is that I do. And also, I just think there's just something that comes to mind when you think of a psychic. You know, you tend to think of somebody with a crystal ball and some, maybe a turban and Miss Cleo or something. That's just not who <laughs> I am. That's not what I do. So I choose intuitive. It, it fits better. At one time, you, I, I believe I read at one time you were a Christian. Am I right? Correct. I was um, a Pentecostal Christian and then a charismatic Christian for probably about 12 years. I was a missionary. I was a worship leader. I was a Bible study teacher, the whole thing. Yeah. And why did you get away from that? What made you turn away from Christianity? Well, actually, there was something that happened between my then pastor and I, in which he kind of revealed himself to be uh greedy (laughs) and um, did something that I felt was a pretty profound betrayal. And while that was very painful for me, it was also kind of a really profound moment of clarity where I was able to see, oh, this is just a man. You know, this isn't necessarily the mouthpiece of God. And this is just, just a building. And it caused me, though, to undertake my own personal exploration, like who is God really outside of what a church tells me that God is. But I, I would still consider myself to be Christian, to be honest with you. And so when this preacher turned you away, I mean, did what he did, 
Did you believe in God at the time or you just believed in the preacher? I believed in, in God at the time, but I think my idea of that was confused. I had probably um, blended too many things together. So I just kind of wanted to figure out who God was. Like there's a scripture, I think, in Isaiah that says, come, let us reason together. I kind of just wanted to reason it out for myself. So and I, I just didn't want to do it in the church anymore. Um, I, I've never understood why people turn away from God if they find that the man is no different than they are. And if they believe in God, so normally it's a sign that they really didn't believe in God. They believed about God, but not in him, because I can't imagine believing in God and anyone or anything can turn you away from that. Well, I, I never turned away from God. Oh, you did not? I, I, I turned away from Christianity, the religion that I was a part of, but I've, I've never turned away from God or Jesus for that matter. Um, in being a... Um, intuitive reader mm -hmm. or spiritual reader, you summons up the dead. Am I right? <laughs> so you're talking about mediumship? Um, yeah. I actually... You, yeah, you're a medium as well. All um, those I've things had... mean the same thing, right? A medium, intuitive uh, teacher, no. a spiritual teacher, because you deal with the dead. No. I mean, they don't all mean the same thing. They're actually, they mean different things. I wouldn't call myself a medium. I've had mediumistic experiences um, so, and I, I don't ever summon up the dead. I, I do believe people can do that. It's just not something that I do. And I also don't read for people anymore. I used to do that, but I do, I don't do that anymore. So, uh, what made you stop doing those things? I was just tired of it. <laughs> there's just like, um, there's the kind of the same sort of questions for every session, which is, which is beautiful and fine. But I, I started wanting to talk about different things than, is this guy going to marry me or am I going to get the job and things like that. I kind of wanted to deal in higher things. So I moved on and there are many, many competent intuitive readers who took my place. So it's fine. When you were involved in summoning up the dead, did you ever see the dead? Well, I've never summoned up the dead, but I have seen, I have seen dead people. Yes. Mm -hmm. You've seen dead people. Yes. Mm -hmm. I see dead people. Correct. Did, yeah. What did they look like? Well, um, there's two kinds that you can kind of see. One is something that's happening more so in what we would call the third eye or the inner eye, which is happening kind of in your imagination. But then there's when you see an apparition with your naked vision. So I've seen both and I've seen my share of um, apparitions. They don't look fully solid. They look um, almost pixelated. I don't know if you saw you saw Predator, the first Predator, when the Predator is kind of in the tree, he's invisible, but you can see the shape. So it's like the, when they first start coming into your awareness, they look like that, and then they start to flesh out and become a little bit more solid. And so do they come from hell or heaven? Well, I don't believe in hell, um, but uh, I would say that the ones that I've encountered aren't in heaven. They're in what I would call the astral plane. So you don't believe in he hell? Do you believe in heaven? That there's a heaven? I believe there's a dimension that um, we would call heaven that feels heavenly. But I don't, I don't subscribe to sort of religious terminology around these dimensional states. I believe in a fifth dimension of, of, of a heavenly state, if, and, if that makes sense. And why don't you believe there's a, hell, a hellish state if, not, if you believe there's a heavenly state? I do believe there's a hellish dimension. Um, I just don't think there's a place called hell that God consigns 
people too, because it's illogical to me. It doesn't make sense. Like the Bible says that God knows how to give good gifts and you as parents to your own children know how to give good gifts. And for me, I've always felt like if I would never send my own child, no matter what she did to hell, then how much more would my father in heaven not do that to me? So it never made much sense. But having said that, I do think that there are planes of existence that are hellish, and that more has to do with the person who's passing as opposed to some place in the ether. And the Bible also says that there is a hell, and it's beneath the earth. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And did you, believe, yes. did you believe that, that when the Bible said there is a hell? Mm-hmm. At the time, I did. I don't believe that. Now, I don't believe everything in the Bible. I'm not a literalist in that way. Oh, I see. Um, so with the, um, with the dead people that you have seen, mm-hmm. what was the purpose of calling up the dead? Well, I never summoned them. I never, and that's why I say I'm really not a medium, because I always just had somewhat accidental encounters where I would find a dead person in my home or in my room, and it would also happen to my daughter. So once we came into that experience, then I dealt with it. So I I never went, I never set out necessarily to summon the dead. Yeah. And when you saw them in your room, did you talk to them? Uh Uh-huh. And, I told him to. I told him to leave. Oh, I see. But not a, a long conversation or anything. Uh, no, not oh, a I long see. conversation. Mm-mm. Was it scary? In the beginning, it was. Before I cultivated a different energy about it. But like for my daughter, it was very scary. She was very mediumistic ever since she was born. She was talking to beings and seeing things all the time, and so she was frightened a lot because. A lot of the beings that would come to her would come to her in the way that they were when they died. Mm-hmm. So some of that was very hard to see. So I just I just tried to help my daughter to understand what was really happening and that she was in control of the experience. And does she is she an adult now? How old is she? She is. She's an adult. She's twenty five. I can't believe it, but she's twenty five. Amazing. So how does she feel about those things now? She believes in it. But, you know, when you're a child, those things are so effortless. So many children before the age of seven have all kinds of wild psychic experiences. I think now she's not so focused on it as she used to be. And so she doesn't have as many evidences in her life. But I think she would still say she believes in it. And does she do the, the, the same kind of work as you do? No, not at all. Oh, OK. <laughs> um, give me an example of what you do as a spiritual teacher. Sure. Um well, we tend to like pick the, t- I will pick the topic, something that we're going to talk about in spirituality. And I just give a teaching and, and a lot of my teaching uh, is a combination of, of information plus exhortation. Like I like to motivate and inspire people, but I tend to focus on manifestation and like creating kind of outcomes that you want to experience. And I also talk a lot about how to develop your own intuition because It is my belief that we are all intuitive. And I really don't like this idea that there are gifted psychics and there's somebody, there's something special about them. I would say we all have intuition. We all have access to these things. It's just about whether we are activated in that or not. So I teach how to activate that. So can you give me an example of of, uh, when people come to you for this teaching what is it that they ask you for and you cause it to happen or you help it to happen? What, do they, what are they to, looking for? Um, I think they're 
probably looking for psychic evidences, what I think Jesus called signs and wonders, what they often get is a deeper connection to God and an understanding of their place in the universe. Like I, that's, I, I spent a long time teaching about your third eye and how to open it. And if you want to see angels and talk to them, this is how you do it. But I'm really kind of moving away from that in this time of my life to focus on that all happens though, because you have a connection to the God of miracles. And when you have a connection to the God of miracles, like anything can happen. So that is what they get, but they also get the information that they want. So when you, um, when they come to Crystal, are they looking for love or look for marriage or looking for money? What is it that they want? I think a lot of them have come to me because they want to be psychic. And I think what that means is they want to feel like they're connected to something greater than themselves. And they want to see the evidence and the demonstration of that in their life. That's what they want. I think they also want to find community, to find weirdos like them and hang out and fellowship. They also want to talk about the things that turn them on and light them up and get them going. So there's a lot of reasons I think somebody would come to one of my programs. Um. I'm not clear to, and so you help them develop their psych, uh, their their intuitive abilities. Yeah, ability. Mm -hmm. Um, And what do they gain as a result of developing that? They gain psychic abilities, and then they can use those abilities in their own life. And one of the things I like to emphasize is that psychic abilities are are practical. Like if you are an intuitive person, then you have more discernment when you're picking your relationships. If you are an intuitive person, you gravitate toward the projects that are going to elevate you and where you're going to go. So the intuition has practical applications. It's not just about talking to angels or seeing dead people. It's about living, living a purposeful life. Uh, So they get, so they get psychic abilities and I think they get some meaning in their life as well. I hope so. Yeah. And so are you like a, a preacher or something, but just a different name? <laughs> All right, you're triggering archetypes. You're triggering. <laughs> I, I used to be a street preacher when I was a Christian. I used to street preach on the uh, streets of Waikiki in Hawaii, which is where I was born and raised. Right. I would also travel to churches and preach. And I was given a prophecy by a minister, a traveling minister who came to Hawaii when I was about 14 years old, who did tell me that that was part of my path. But... I mean, I think some, I think so. I think I do. That's what exhortation is. I think some of it is a bit of that preaching. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you are a preacher who no. helped. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a pastor or a preacher. I would say that it's part of like how I communicate is in that style. Yes. And are you called by God to do these things or did you just decide you want to do them? Oh, I definitely feel there's a calling on my life. Yes. To, to do these things that you're doing? Yes. Um, interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, so you're a medium? No. <laughs> but you have you've been in the presence of mediums. Oh, for sure. I know a lot of mediums, yes. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Um, and the mediums, they call up the dead. Some do, yes. And are they weird? People in the medium, are they weird? No, there's there. Well, some are like, I'm not going to lie to you. Some of them are a little weird, but um, no, they're just your normal people. Your neighbor could be a medium. Um, You could be a medium and not know it quite yet. But no, they're actually 
normal people in my experience. And the Bible tells you to stay away from mediums. Don't deal with the people who deal with dead people, who call up dead people because they're pretty, they're, you know, it's evil. Why would you yeah. hang around with people that are evil that call up the dead? Well, I hang around with Jesus. He was a medium. <laughs> so when Jesus is um, on the mountain during the transfiguration, he's talking to, do, to two dead guys. And when Jesus is calling Lazarus forth from the tomb, who do you think he's talking to? He's talking to a dead guy and he's calling him forth. And Jesus said, greater things than I have done, will you do? So I just feel like that's just semantical. Like, yes, there are scriptures in the Old Testament and some in the New that would prohibit this type of behavior. But there's also scriptures that talk about the promotion of slavery. There's scriptures that talk about stoning your children. There's scriptures that talk about the kind of fabric that you wear. And so I think those types of rules come from a society trying to organize itself and have laws, but they're not reflective of modernity like where we are today. Personally, that's how I feel about that. But Jesus said that we should only worship God. God said we should only worship him and not the dead. Don't have anything to do with the dead. And when Jesus brought Lazarus from the grave, it wasn't the same as as what you're talking about, the medium do people know? doing. How do you know that? Because he wasn't fellowshipping with the dead. He didn't call the dead up for the good, meaning that he wasn't worshiping the devil. He was worshiping God. Well, mediums don't, a lot of, most mediums don't worship the devil. They just have an ability to do something. And, and truly, it's, it's like turning the dial on a radio. It's a faculty that you are sometimes born with. It's also a faculty that you can develop, but they're not worshiping the devil. And, I, you know, I hate to demonize what I think is a very natural spiritual gift. And again, I say, I, I, I think Jesus was a medium. I think he demonstrated his own intuitive abilities throughout his life. He was an energy healer. He cast out demons. Like, that's Jesus. And we're supposed to use him as an emblem of what Christianity is. And so I don't see anything wrong with it. I can understand your arguments because I've come up against them many times. I just don't, I don't agree. You, um, what is the light shine lap? What, what is what does that do? That's an online spiritual community. Unfortunately, it's on Facebook, <laughs> which I don't really like Facebook, but that's where we started. It's about 10,000 members, and it's it's comprised of just a bunch of seekers, spiritual seekers, trying to figure out their own path and their own spirituality. It's a place to kind of go and ask questions, discuss concepts in a way that is not antagonistic like you find in most places on the Internet. Um, we talk about all things. We accept all people exactly as they are, unless they are um, out of love or out of integrity. Um, God has never used, doesn't call women to be preachers and teachers and pastors and spiritual readers and all that. Why do he you think God <laughs> is using you to do that when he doesn't? use women for those purposes. Oh, he does use women for those purposes. And we've had many women who have been preachers. Now, if you're talking about what Paul's talking about, you know, Paul is the one who came after Christ, never met him in the physical, unless you want to believe his story about the road to Damascus. And maybe we do, but do you believe that story about his, what happened to him on the road to Damascus? I don't know. Um, I think because I think what happened because of Paul is actually somewhat anti-Christ because 
Paul brought legalism into the church. He created the infrastructure. He created the rules. Women sit over there, put a doily on your head. Men, you get to preach. This is how you treat your wife. All the rules came from Paul, whereas Christ, the spirit of what Christ's message was, was not that organized. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. So I don't know. I mean, I've had visions myself, especially when I've tried magic mushrooms. So I'm not going to put it past that Paul had some kind of a encounter, but I'm just not sure because... He took it and he made it his own. He took the church and made it his own. You you have, it seems as though you have chosen to believe what you want to believe about the Bible, but all the good stuff you're leaving out. All, all the good stuff, actually. Like Paul's thing keep... is amazing, right? His experience and what he taught was really amazing. But you, you want to ignore Paul. You also want to ignore the fact that Jesus said, stay away from the dead. But... Um, you While seem, talking to the dead, <laughs> you you seem to uh, want to admit it. But I want to go back to the question: Is um, God doesn't put women in charge over men? Why do you think He will use you? Because I don't believe that. Why don't you believe and it? Because I, I again, I believe that's a legalistic application by somebody other than Christ. And I'm just telling you, I don't, I'm not a literalist. I don't believe every single word in the Bible is true. So. I'm, I'm never going to believe scriptures that don't make any sense. And so I don't, I don't believe that. And, and yeah, there's some stuff in the Bible that I think is eternal and that I hold true to myself and to my faith, but some parts of it, I do not. Uh, do you believe in the order of God? I don't know what that would be. God and Christ, God in Christ, Christ in man, man over woman and woman over children. Women were created to follow, not to lead. It's not in their nature to lead. Do you believe that? No, I don't. So God was lying about that too? And I, I don't know that God said that. Yeah, he I, did. I think a lot of men said that. I don't know that God did. Oh. I would disagree with you there. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I hear your words. I just don't agree with them. Amazing. Um, that's amazing. So you don't believe there's a hell, even though the Bible says there is a hell. You don't believe mm. Paul and his order. You don't mm. believe. I didn't say I didn't believe Paul and his order. I said, I don't know. Oh, you don't I, know. I, I, it's something that I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about. Do you believe that women are capable of leading? Absolutely, yes. And mm -hmm. what is it about a woman that says that she is, do you believe she was created to lead or she just came up with that idea herself? Women. I mean, I think that some women are created to lead insofar as they have a purpose for their life, and some of that is leadership. But and, if you're talking about the hierarchical order of God, then yeah, that I, I don't, I don't ascribe to that. And you don't, and why not? Because I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's applicable in modern times. I think that you, for example, you've homes where you have a dad who's staying home, taking care of the kids and the wife is out making all the money and it works for them. And the kids are thriving. Everybody's happy. Like there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that in my estimation. And that's just our modern times. Is she leading the household? I don't know. That's subjective. Is the husband who's staying at home still ruling? I don't know. But I, I think that women can lead, men can lead. I think it's best when they're both doing it together. Um, when men stay home and become women like that, take over the woman's role, do, do, do you see the weakness in that and that that is out of order and the women no. and children <laughs> end up screwed up emotionally and mentally and everything when the man is not leading the woman? 
and well, a children. I think, I think I think a man can stay home and take care of the home and still be a leader to his children and to his wife and still and still be a participant in that way. So, but how can you know. he do that when he's not leading? He, the woman well, is. The how is he not leading? Because he's not making money. That's, right. I mean, that's that's not that's not all that leadership is. Right. right? I know he spiritually got the wife <laughs> and children as well. Okay. Good. And he, I think he can still do that while he's working from home. Amazing. Like with the kids. Yeah. Have you ever been married? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and did you obey your husband? Yeah, I had a problem with that, especially my first marriage, um, because I didn't really know how, how many to times be been married. Three. Whoa. <laughs> Which I talk a lot about. Like, I'm very honest about this. Yeah. Um, my first marriage, I married him when I was 18. I was very young, and I was really just trying to get out of an abusive household. Uh, my second, and so I, I didn't know how to be a reasonable human being, much less a good wife. My second marriage, out of which I had my child, um, I think I got it. I think I got it together a little bit. Like I, I figured out how to know my place in that relationship, um, but that didn't last either. And now I'm in my third marriage, but I'm very. I just made ten years, and I'm really happy. And uh, it works for us. Like whatever we're doing is working for us. Um, are you difficult to deal with? I can be. I can be mercurial. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, those husbands didn't know how to deal with you? I don't think my first husband did. Um, the second husband was uh, very intelligent. He was an attorney. He was a former fighter pilot. Very, just very, he came at life in a different way than I did because I was just wild. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I figured it out, I think, over time. But I, I definitely behaved badly and did a lot of wrong things. Have you apologized to them for that? Yes, I have. Right. Have you forgiven your mother for traumatizing you? I have. Yes. You, you, she was a victim. So, I mean, it's but I, she did participate in what happened to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you tell her you you forgive her for what she done? Oh, absolutely. Yes. And how did she react to that? With gratitude. Oh, she, she, was, she was looking for reconciliation and to make amends. And so I I never I didn't hold anything against her anyway, but. She really failed us as a mom uh, for my brother and I growing up, but she sobered up when she was in her early 50s. She came to live with me and she apologized and she just did everything that she could in her power to make my home better. She helped me with, with my child. She helped in the house. She helped in every way. So, yes, I made amends with my mom. Is she still living? No, she passed in 2012, unfortunately, the day after I got married. And have you have you had a medium to summers her up? No, <laughs> I have not. Actually, I've had visitations from my mother through dreaming. She comes to me in the dream state, um, but I haven't gone to a medium. If I want to talk to my mother, I can do that right where I am. I don't need somebody else to do that for me. Really? Um, yeah. And would you like to see your mother? I mean, a spirit, would you like for her to come to you? Like in the spirit thing? I mean, I... I if she wants to, I mean, sure. If it was, if it was, if she, if it was something she wanted to do, absolutely. I miss my mom. Are you physical. are you close to your father? <laughs> my father died when he was fifty two, and I was in my early twenties. Um, no, I, I I wasn't because he was a very abusive person. Although at the time of his death, I certainly thought that I looked up to him and loved him because he was a very strong, strong personality. But I wouldn't say we were close because he was, he was a bad guy. He was abusive to you? He was abusive to my mother, physically, acutely abusive to my mother, um, and somewhat to my brother. He never hit me, 
but he verbally abused us and he was just a drunk, you know, that he never met a drug he didn't like. He took them all. So it was just, it was a hard experience. And, and especially growing up on an outer island in Hawaii, we were poor because he didn't like to work either, of course. So sometimes we didn't have running water. Sometimes we didn't have electricity. It was just a very hard childhood that I came up in. So your mother was abusive to him as well? No. Your mother wasn't abusive to him? No. And why would he be abusive to her if she wasn't abusive? Because he, well, I mean, who can, who can ever say why someone does it? I mean, I could theorize why. My father grew up, he was born on Molokai, which is a deep outer island in Hawaii. And he had to fight all of his life. And he just kind of grew up that way. And it was, part, it was kind of part of the culture at the time to be that way. Kind of a tough guy, kind of a machismo tough guy. And he had a persona of that. Like nobody really ever messed with my dad because he, he didn't give enough. And I think he just took that into the marriage. I think he was an arrogant and prideful man. But when he drank, he became a demonic. I mean, I remember it's probably 14 or 15 years old and he was just on a bender and he was just being abusive. And I literally saw like this green entity kind of right overlaid over his face. You know, at the time, I'm, I'm a Pentecostal Christian, so I'm trying to cast that demon out. But I think sometimes my father, I, I wouldn't say he was possessed, but I certainly think he was oppressed, which I think substances can do to you. Your mo- was your mother a Christian as well? Pentecostal she was ca- Christian? She was a, no, no, God, no. No, my, fa- my mother was a Catholic, and then she left the faith. And my father was, um, he believed in the Hawaiian gods. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Why is I noticed that most women are abusive and hard to live with and deal with because of their abuse. They're mm-hmm. abusive to the husbands and to the children, but that's not talked about. People don't tend to point out the abusiveness of women, and women are more abusive than men. Why do women omit that they are abusive? Well, you've said a lot in that statement, so I'm going to disagree with you that women are abusive or are mainly abusive. But I do agree that people who have been abused or people who have had a hard time growing up tend to continue and perpetuate that abuse and become abusers. It's not always the case. I mean, I'm a product of abuse, but I'm not a – well, no, don't yeah. get me wrong. I had to fix yeah, myself, and I, I've, worked, I've worked on myself. What? I did. I, I did. I had to work on myself, but that's part of life. Like, you have to figure it out. By the time, like, I got into my first marriage, I didn't – all I knew was what my father showed me. Like, that's all I knew. And so you, in, instead of trying to find the resources to fix that, especially when you're young, you, fi- you try to replace it because you've been habituated to it, right? So I'm hab- habituated to the abuse of my father. And so then I perpetuate it in the next relationship. Don't get me wrong. I was not physically abusive with my husband, nor was he with me. But we just had a hard time because we didn't respect each other. I didn't know how to do it. But I noticed that, that most women are abusive, but it's not well, that's talked weird. about. Who are you meeting? It, it's <laughs> what not kind of women are you about, meeting? Women are like uh, very controlling. They um, they um, they impose their will upon you. They try to control the husbands and the children. Not and all women. They, Certainly, you they, don't believe that. Certainly, you're being hyperbolic because you know. No, most women are like that. Have you met most women? Yes. Come on now. I talk to them every you, day. I Do you think that it's children? a certain generation of women? Do you think there are like certain age groups that are more likely to be that way? Or do you think that it's all women? Well, I, I, I agree with you that since the 60s, 50s, late 50s, up, up until now, women have gotten worse. I think that there are some women who have always been kind of controlling. 
mm-hmm. and would ch- hide it. But over the years, they've gotten worse. And it's apparent now because of their jealousy of men, they want to be like men. So they have gotten worse in their attitude. Well, I mean, you're making a blanket statement about all women. I don't agree well, with not you, all, Not I all, mean, not all, but most. No, not even most. <laughs> I mean, I've not, I've not met women like that. I mean, I, I think that what you're speaking to is something that's happening in our culture right now, which is the pox of the Karen, you know, but I don't know that that's about women, to be honest with you. I think that's about society. I think that's about culture. I think that's about programming and grooming online and getting so angry and upset while you're scrolling. And then you take that out into the real world, to the Starbucks, into the Safeway, and you start acting like a fool, whether you're a woman or a man, although we're seeing a lot of women do this. That is, I think, a response to what is sick and poisonous in our culture, not necessarily something intrinsic to women. So I categorically disagree with you on that, but I understand the point that you are trying to make. Do you believe in the uh, Adam and Eve story, what happened? No. Uh, God created Adam, Mm -hmm. and then from Adam he created the woman, and the woman became his wife. And and long story short, for a while, the wife obeyed her husband, Adam, and Mm -hmm. Adam obeyed his father, God, right? Mm -hmm. And then one day the woman went shopping, and she met up with Satan, (laughs) and she believed the devil. You are such a rascal. (laughs) (laughs) And she believed into the devil. And then once she believed the devil, he became her God and she would no longer obey her husband. And then the woman believed, the man believed the woman when she convinced him, Eve convinced Adam. That's because all men are dumb. He believed her. Mm -hmm. And once he believed her, the woman became the man's God. And so because the God above is the man's God and -hmm. true God, but the God below is the woman's true God. And that's when everything fell apart. And so even today, the devil, the nature of the devil, evil, anger, is working through the woman and not through the man. Do you believe the Adam and Eve story in the scriptures? No. You don't believe it? No, I think that it's a metaphoric of creation. I I don't, I think it's, it's written by people trying to articulate the creation of the world and the creation of people. And so I think it's mythology and lore. I think though that there are parts of it that are very important because all mythology is important, but no, I do not believe literally that that happened. And so, yeah, no. So you believe all the little nice things about the Bible that you want I, to believe, I, I believe but you I don't believe, believe reality uh, of, you don't believe Paul, <laughs> you don't believe it, Adam and Eve, or you I just believe- I didn't say believe, I didn't believe Paul. Now, I, you just believe in 13, I believe in Paul. You just believe in a spiritual gut feeling stuff, right? No, absolutely not. In fact, a lot of the work that I do has to focus on dealing with your inner psychology and stuff, the things that you're harboring against others and yourself, your limiting beliefs and the things that you really have to clear out of yourself in order for spirit or God to come in and animate. So, no, I don't believe in just the love and light. I think that part of that is having to deal with the darkness Amazing. and bringing in the light. Well, God said, so you don't believe in Adam and Easter. Why do you think women are so insecure and emotional and jealous if it's not the nature of the devil? Well, I don't think women are that. I think women are, they're more emotional than men. They have a different way of functioning. Um, and I think that there's a, a balanced and light way 
to express that. I also think that there's a shadow and dark way to express that. I think you have a lot of women who are in shadow. I think you have a lot of men who are in shadow. So I, but I any man that's in shadow, as you call it, it has the nature of his mother. He has the nature of the woman. And that's mm-hmm. why he must be born again because it's abnormal for a man to be, to act like a woman, to be angry like a woman. Well, what's wrong with anger? That's a human emotion. And God was angry. God was a jealous God. God was a vengeful God. And in your anger, do not sin, which presupposes that it's okay to be anger, angry. You just can't sin. Now, what does that mean? That means you can't take your anger and then start acting badly and hurting yourself and others. But the anger itself, there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly human. Anger is, is, is an, it's an unnatural state of being for mankind. It's a, uh, because anger is of your father, the devil. God is of love, and in God there is no anger. And and when you compare the human anger to what you think Jesus was, you're being misguided. Because I'm Jesus not talking had, about well, Jesus was angry. He Je- flipped over tables, right? No, so but Jesus- he wasn't angry when he did that. He 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 had discernment. <laughs> but human that are angry compare their fallen state to that of God, and it's. Mm-hmm. it's it's different as different as night and day. And well, if do you, you understand notice- what I do you understand what I'm saying though? Like I'm sure you've been angry at somebody or something in your life, but you didn't go on to indulge that anger and keep it in you and stew over the anger. Like you move the anger out of you and then you continue on your way in the lighter in God's love. But anger in and of itself is something that it's okay to feel. No. Anger well, is in your evil. anger in your anger do not sin. So explain to me how there's a difference between sin and anger in that scripture then. In in uh, in uh, anger, there is no love. It's all confusion and unhappiness and fear well, and doubt. In the Old Testament, God worry. is angry, though. God is angry all over the Old Testament. God has God no is- anger in him. He has discernment. He didn't like, he doesn't get along with evil, right? But he has no hatred in his heart. And if you notice that well, Anger doesn't people- mean hatred. Anger doesn't mean hatred. Yes, it That's does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it of course does. it doesn't. It does. Hatred is the sin of anger. Why do you say all people who have anger are insecure, they have fear, they doubt, they live in their imagination, mm-hmm. they have no mm-hmm. peace? If anger is good, why can't you have peace when you have anger? I'm not saying anger is good. I think the state of being angry, like indulging the anger, I think that's what the sin is. That's the thing that we're not supposed to do. And yes, if you're in a state of anger, like you're always angry, that's how you feel, then you are going to cause damage to yourself and damage to others. And you could say that would be evil. I don't know, you could be, that could be a sin, but I definitely think it's, it's not what we want to do. What, um, if, do you know what it means? You've heard that we should be born, all people who are born through the woman must be born again of the father. You've heard that, right? Well, it says you're supposed to be born once of of water and then born of spirit. Right. So, so all who are born mm-hmm. through the woman must be born of the father. To be. In order to live, because all who are born of the woman are dying and those mm-hmm. who are born of the father are living. Mm-hmm. Are I you familiar with that? I'm familiar with the scripture, yes. I think and there's you, some in, interpretation, some and what latitude do you think that you're of, taking there. What do you think about that? I think that 
what that means is that you have to be born into your human existence. And the goal of this existence is to awaken to the spirit of God. That is what being born again is. Now, if you're a fundamentalist Christian, like I was growing up, what that means is you literally say the salvation prayer, you know, you, you ask God to forgive you, you do the whole thing. And that means you're born again and saved. And I don't think that that's what that scripture is actually saying, because Jesus never said, do exactly that. He said, awaken to the spirit, be born into the spirit. And I would say that many people are. He did say all who are born of the flesh must be born of the spirit in order to live, right? I, th I think so. I don't have a scripture. That sounds right. Right. From and my so, remembrance. <laughs> and so all who are born of the woman have to, if they want to have real life, they must die from that nature because the woman nature is an ego nature. It's not of God. And you must be born of the spirit of the father, men and women in order to have the real love, that to come back, to have the true nature, it must mm -hmm. be of God and not of the woman because her nature is of the devil. Well, I, I, I sincerely disagree with you. Um, I find it interesting, though, how you're coming up with that idea. You know, <laughs> I'm just going to acknowledge that and just strongly disagree. I think that scripture refers to being born into physicality and... Uh, awakening into your spirit and, and coming to realize who you truly are as a divine being, like as a divine being, not just as a human. I know that you're called the fallen state. I know that you are are putting out there that we are in a fallen state. Do you um, believe that? I, I don't believe in original sin. That's um that's a doctrine that came from St. Augustine. No, I don't. I think there are many, many. Wow, scriptures. that's amazing. You don't believe, believe nothing. I do. Yes, I do. Now, come on. I do. But I'm saying that, like, look at it. That's a, that's a doctrine that was created after the time of Christ, this concept of original sin. And if you were to look into it, you would see that it's actually an idea that sin is transmitted through the seminal fluid of the man. So all of this hyperbole about women being wicked, I mean, that's what the doctrine actually says. So first and foremost, I don't agree that we're in a fallen state per se. I do think we're in an illusion, I think this life and this earth plane is an illusion, but I don't think we as beings are fallen. I believe what Jesus said when he said, you are all gods. I believe that we are divine. Well, all devils think that they are God. Well, Jesus said he was God. Was he a devil? No, God was the big God, but <laughs> in that fallen state, human beings think that they are God, the little God, the small G. Mm -hmm. They think right. they're God. That's why they think that they can... They know things they think they can do of themselves. They know of themselves. Mm -hmm. They think that they're in charge and they can control things because they are playing God. And as long well, as you why, play why would, God, why would you Jesus would, have said, you if, are all gods? If why you would Jesus God, have said that? If you play God, you would never know the true God. Because in that father state, human beings mm -hmm. think that they are God and they're not. Well, but Jesus said we're all gods. So how Little do you reconcile the two? Yeah, I agreed. Little G. Absolutely. Meaning that so you have turned meaning that you have turned to the devil, you have the nature of the devil. No, I don't think that's what that means. That just, he's actually referencing a psalm in that statement, which in context does not say that. But but I feel like it's this these are like semantical arguments. Um I think that I understand what you're what you're saying. I just disagree with with a lot of it, but respectfully I disagree. How do you deal with the empty Feelings that you get sometimes when you feel like something is missing. When those moments come, what do you do? What do you do? How do you fulfill those moments? I pray. You pray for what? Uh, I pray uh, for for 
a deeper awareness of the connection that already exists. Because if I'm suffering in a way that I feel so alone, I have forgotten what I have innately inside of me, which is the kingdom of heaven. That's all existing inside of me. And if I'm suffering outside of that, it's because I've deluded myself along the way. So I pray to bring myself back into alignment with who it is that I truly am and to the God that I'm connected to. And please don't get me wrong. I believe in a God, big G. I believe in, in a, a God, big G. I don't believe I am God, big G, but I believe that I am divine. I believe that we are much more miraculous than we are led to believe. And certainly that the world is programming us to believe. I believe that only we can create a different outcome in this world, but we have to get conscious to who it is that we really are and that we can do it. That is what I believe. And so are you deluding yourself or are you being deluded by the devil? Well, I don't think I'm being deluded by the, I would know that if I was being deluded by the devil, mm-hmm. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I have a personal relationship with God. And by the way, you can truly know them by their fruit. And what I mean is you can always tell when it's an evil entity that is around you because you can feel it because love feels a certain way. And that which is antithetical to love, you know it immediately. So I... I, I'm very confident in that for myself. You said sometimes you, you, when you do feel that void, that emptiness, it's because you have deluded yourself, right? Correct. I, I, or I've, I've, clicked, I've clicked out of alignment. And so if you are in control of that, why would you ever delude yourself mm-hmm. instead of the devil doing it to you? Well, because I don't believe in a devil, and I think what it, I think the game is rigged. I think that this earth plane, which kind of looks, feels like a prison planet a little bit. I feel that it's very attractive in how it leads you away from who it is that you truly are. And I think that it is part of the process. I feel like this is why we came here as souls was to experience this kind of duality and this kind of chaos and awaken into our spiritual nature and begin to change it from within in that way. Am I getting too crazy? You believe in the big God, but not the devil. And yet you dilute yourself if you were in control of yourself, you would never do that. Am I right? Absolutely not, because that's part of the human condition to fall in and out of states of consciousness. It's do, perfectly normal. It's just an opportunity to get back into grace. Do you believe there is good and evil? I do, yes. And so who is of the evil if it's not the nature of the devil? Who is of the evil? Yes. I mean, I think any... Oh, Where does evil come of, from if not from the devil? Um, humanity, the depravity of hum- humanity. Like there, I think there is a range of consciousnesses evident in humanity. And I think there are people who are on the lower spectrum, more base-like animalistic tendencies and vibration, if you will. And they're the ones that tend to kick up the evil and become occupied by the evil. I don't believe in a devil per se, like a mytho- mythological anthropomorphic dude, like with beautiful hair and stuff. I don't Do believe, you believe that. You don't believe there's <laughs> a spirit of the devil? I do believe there's a spirit of the devil. And is it evil? Yeah, but I mean, that's going to lead us into a conversation that's going to get pretty weird. So, I mean, I do believe in the spirit of the devil. I don't believe in a, in an angel who fell from heaven, took three one-third of the angels with him, and now he's roaming around. That's amazing. No well, wonder you left Christianity. <laughs> well, if you say so. You don't believe in anything about the Bible, just a little nice thing. Obviously, me that's not true. Obviously, that's not true. <laughs> Let me ask, um, (laughs) do you love white people? Of course, yes. And um, what is love? God is love. God, what does that mean? Um, It means that as a human being, the closest I can come to feeling what God feels like is to experience love. And what does love feel like? 
It feels so great. It like feels, what, for example? It feels like the peace that surpasses all understanding. It feels like intention. It feels like connection. It feels like just being one, one with God, all that is. God is not a feeling. Satan is a feelings, but not God. God is a dispassionate God. And well, Satan is a false <laughs> love, a false feelings. You know, he he makes you feel good. Whatever your mind wants, he'll make uh-huh. you feel it. He makes you feel bad. He makes you feel good. He makes you feel bad. And that's not from God. That is the nature of the devil, the thoughts and the feelings. Well, I think you should tell that to a lot of the parishioners of all these churches who go in and who are slain in the spirit and who are speaking in tongues right, and who are overcome fate. by the spirit. You think that's all the devil? Yeah, 100%. How interesting. Okay. Do you I don't to- agree. I mean, I think that they're... <laughs> Part of the spiritual experience is to have ecstatic or blissed out experiences. I think that that no, happens. No, not like that though. That's not it. Well, that's all. I mean, that's all. You're very it, judgmental of experiences that other people have. Do you know that about yourself? That's <laughs> all intellectual. It's not real. It's of the well, devil because okay. it, and the devil pretend to be God, and so when you enter that emotional stuff like that. You're worshiping the devil and don't realize it. You think you're worshiping God, worshiping mm-hmm. God, but you're really worshiping the devil. Well, I don't think that I can be confused in that way. I don't think so. I know what the Holy Spirit feels like, and I know what God feels like inside of me because the kingdom of heaven exists inside of me, and that's that, that's a that's an energy. And as I said, you will know them by their fruit, and you can test all spirits as well. By the way to get a feel of, of whether they are of God or not. And so there's, if Satan came over here, in my opinion, to delude me into feeling a certain way, I would feel the energy of that. That is absolutely paradoxical and well antithetical to God. So you recognize that. That's what I think. Amazing. Let me ask you about politics. Oh, oh Lord. You- oh, God. Oh, help me, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> Are you, do you tend to be more conservative or liberal? I would say I'm, I'm right in the middle. And what is in the middle? I'm not crazy. Did you vote for the great white hope? The great white hope. That's not Canada. That's the great white north. What is the great (laughs) white hope? (laughs) What is that? Tomorrow they will say, Donald Trump rants and raves at the press. I'm not ranting and raving. If you don't get out of here. (laughs) Um, That's a great white hope, Donald Trump. Did you vote for him? No. Why not? Because he's, um, he's a cartoon character. And don't get me wrong. I'm not educated enough to talk about politics in a way that is reasonable. However, as the person, I think he's such a bombast. He is such a spectacle that he is polarizing the nation into the tribalist kind of state that we have right now. I think that he's so offensive. And if I may, I, I'm not going to swear on your nice show, but I mean, he's just a jerk, which is, I mean, that's okay. I told People you like women that. were jealous of men. All Did that you? is jealousy so of, jealous. of masculinity. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not jealous of masculinity. And I will say that I appreciate, I truly appreciate masculine. The masculine man. I do. Then why don't but you, create, think, why don't you appreciate a, Donald Trump then? Because I wouldn't necessarily say that that's what he is. I, there's some things about Donald Trump that I'm sure are fantastic. But in terms of his impact on society and what that's doing to 
our culture, I just think it's it's very dangerous. Now, that doesn't mean he's not saved by God. It doesn't mean that there's nothing redeeming about him. It just means this is a dangerous kind of a personality to become president or to be president. So why do you call the man that made America better, made it great, dangerous? Because of his personality, because I think he's an egomaniac. I think that he's a very prideful person and pride does come before a fall. I think that he is mean to people sometimes, you know, and I think that. By being honest with them, how is he mean? There's a, there's a place for straight shooting, but then there's a way to do it. That's I think presidential. And here's the thing. I think that Trump probably did things for the country that are very good. Like I miss the gas prices here in Texas that we used to have. I miss not having to go to the Sam's club and not see any chicken or, or, and I have to pay like double what I used to pay. I acknowledge that the state of our, our country is very different right now under a different president. But I just think that, I just think that his personality, <laughs> his personality is too inflammatory. Amazing. Did you vote well, for Joe you. Biden? No. <laughs> how about Barack, how about the fallen Messiah? Is that Barack Obama? Yes. Yes, I did. I did once. Mm-hmm. Why? Why would you vote for him? Why well, did because, you vote for him? Because first of all, he's very handsome. The second, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just playing. First of all, I, he, I thought he was a wonderful orator. I thought um, when he gave that speech before he was president at the convention, I thought. Wow. You know, he's got the spirit of motivation in him. I thought he represented a change in our culture just to have a black president. I thought was meaningful. Personally, I did. But I mean, that he just turned out to be like every other president and didn't do what he said he was going to do and killed a lot of people. And, um, you know, that's the legacy of every president, though. Amazing. Um, Why do you think most not all, not all, not all, not all, not all. But why do you think most (laughs) black people are angry and out of control and pretending to be victims and Banging and whining and violence and all that. Why do you think most black people are like that? You are so rude. That is a rude thing to say. But what do you mean? I, um, well, that's that's hurtful to say. I think because I, I don't think most black people are that way. In my experience, I haven't encountered them to be that way. I think there are a lot of people who are disenfranchised. I think there are a lot of people who are also um, brought up to feel a certain kind of way. Not just black people, but all kinds of people. Maybe that's where some anger is coming from, but I don't but think... But why are they so violent? They hate white people? I mean, you shouldn't hate anybody. But why do if, you think most black people hate white people? I don't know that that's true. I really You don't know? You is. live in America? I do live in America. I have, I, have, I have black people in my community. I interact with black people all the time. It is not my experience that that is how they are at all. At are you, all. How, how do you feel about all the illegal aliens coming into our country? And, and especially in Texas, they really flood in Texas. What do you <laughs> yeah, think about the illegal aliens coming into the country? Is that right, or should we stop them? I think we should have um, stronger borders. We should the wall go up. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And How so do you, does Biden. <laughs> so does Biden, since he's continuing the wall. Mm-hmm. Biden is continuing the wall. I think so. Right? Isn't he like? Look like I heard something that somewhere some. He's supposed to be completed well, but I don't see that happening. I've I've heard they're working on it, but it's just so (laughs) hypocritical. Both sides are so hypocritical. Do you believe racism exists? I do. I think think so, yes. And Mm -hmm. why do you believe that? Because I think there are examples of it. Give me an example. Of racism? Yes. Critical race theory. That's racist. Teaching the black kids to hate the whites. And teaching the white kids 
that they are fundamentally something's wrong with them and that yeah. they're oppressors and that black kids are oppressed. I think grooming them in an institutionalized way to other other people, I think that's racist. That's the on its face, it's racist. Yeah, that is, I, there's no such thing as racism, but that's evil. I'm about it is a battle between good and evil, right versus wrong. And that is evil to, to destroy the young kid's soul like that. I don't even know why parents would put up with that. I wouldn't. I mean, I my daughter went to private school. Thank God she went to parochial school. I would never, not ever, have a child in public school at this time. It is just yeah. a battleground for ideology. It's it's poisonous. I, I agree. It's time to heat up this interview. I got to throw you what? in the <laughs> It's been hot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got to throw you on the hot seat, so I, I need to, or in the hot seat, I need you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. Okay. The Hot Seat. Are human beings in a spiritual battle or a physical battle? Both. Do we need more white babies? Yes. Do women prefer alpha males or beta males? Alpha. In America, is America the best country on this side of heaven? 100%. Um, does a chicken have lips? <laughs> I don't believe so. <laughs> I think they have beaks. <laughs> Do black people suffer from systemic racism? Yes. Would you, uh, who would you prefer to see as president? Hillary Clinton, Camilla Harris, Big Mama Michelle, or Hunter Biden? I have to pick one of those? Yeah. Definitely Michelle Obama. Big Mama. Is that what you call her? Why do you call her that? Because when she was in the White House with the president, with yeah. Obama, the father Messiah, she was mm -hmm. trying to tell people what they should feed their children while she was eating up all the tamales. and. Well, don't you think America's pr pretty fat? Like, people need to be giving some nutritional information. But, but she wasn't it can doing, only help. She was pinging out all the ribs and everything she could get. She is incredibly fit and lovely. Oh, yeah, right. Come on now. <laughs> um, can men get pregnant? No. What is a woman? I know what you're asking, but um, a woman is a human female. True or false? Abortion is worse than slavery. False. Did, do you support abortion? Some, in some cases. Did the cow eat the cabbage? I mean, I hope so. <laughs> uh, did you have fun? I did have fun, yes. Thank you so much for coming and thanks for you're taking welcome. on the hot seat. Tell the folks how to get to your website, how to mm -hmm. get in touch with you. Sure. Just go to Crystal Ann Compton. Don't forget the E and Ann, and it's Compton like straight out of. CrystalAnnCompton.com. Check me out there. You can find me everywhere. Amazing. Thank you again for coming on. And thank you all for tuning in. I absolutely appreciate it. Don't forget to like, follow, tweet, hit the button, ring the bell, and check out the Fallen State on Locals.com. By hitting the link, click the link on the description in the video to support our work. Thank you again, Crystal. That was fun. Thank you so much. It was fun. I All right. Fun. Appreciate that. Okay.